Welcome to the Swimming Ideas Podcast. This is episode number 47, the three cures for terrible training sessions. My name is Jeff and I will be your host for today. And today we're looking at when you're running your lifeguarding training or when you're running your swim instructor training, these are the three things that you can do to avoid those terrible, boring, awful, time-wasting experiences that I know most of you have experienced. Now, this recently comes out of a training that I went to this following weekend, and I'm going to give you the three tips that you can do to make sure that your sessions are effective. That's right, we're talking about the three cures for terrible training sessions. And I know that you don't want to be sitting in a two-day training class where you leave and the person next to you turns to you and says, well, that could have been done in two hours. That doesn't make you feel good about the 14, well, 16 hours that you just spent learning how to do something and it could have been condensed into a two-hour training session. We want to look at those three things that you can do in your trainings this coming month uh, to make sure that the people that you're training don't turn to each other and say, well, that was a huge waste of time. (laughs) Yes, indeed. You don't want that to happen. Now, you're likely getting ready for your summer lifeguard trainings this month and your summer swim instructor trainings. And you have returning staff, you have new hires, uh, and they may be eager or reluctant to attend your mandatory trainings. Now, I'm not disputing the necessity of having these training sessions. I think they're a key integral part for organizations that offer swim lessons and require lifeguards to be at their facilities. There is a specific round of trainings that you need to do to make sure that your staff is effective and working together uh, in a way that is safe for everyone that visits your facility and participates in your swim lesson program. So they are an essential portion of your workflow. But we want to look at how we can avoid having terrible, time-wasting, boring, and ineffective training sessions. And I have three cures for you today uh, to talk about. So these are some critical hours that you have a captive audience in these training sessions. There are three things that you can do as an instructor or a facilitator to make sure that your participants aren't leaving and complaining and upset and annoyed about the experience that you just gave to them. So we're going to jump right into this. Hopefully we'll keep this a little short. I'll give you a little bit of backstory before we begin. Uh, This most recent weekend, I had my lifeguarding instructor training recertified. And there were three co-instructors and two semi-instructors. So five people that were supposedly giving information. And the requirement was that you have if you you have more than I think five or seven people you need a uh, co-instructor someone also there to facilitate training and much of the time we were spent in large groups uh, of 15 people or more in each group and it was very ineffective there was a lot of downtime a lot of waiting around figuring out who was going to be doing what next uh, it appeared as a participant that there was no clear leadership in who was running the training It seemed like the three people that were standing in front of the group uh, had not really planned on working together prior to this and were very disorganized in how they disseminated information, how they gave the information to the group. And it seemed very jumbled and unorganized. Now, the 
instructors all knew their material very well, and they were very good individually at teaching the class. But the general flow of the training, it was a two-day training from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m., was very disorganized. There was an excessive amount of downtime where the participants were sitting around waiting to find out what was done next. There was no clear, this is what we're doing, here's what we're doing next, here's what we're doing next. Uh, there was a lot of socializing and not a lot of, uh, amongst the instructors and not a lot of, okay, there's downtime now, let's move on because we know that your time is important to you. So what I want to do is give these three tips to avoid having a lot of wasted time and three tips that will really ensure that when you are running your training lesson or when you're running your training program, you're not going to have people that are upset or irritated by the experience. You know, they're there for a reason. They want to learn how to be a lifeguard. They want to learn how to be a swim instructor or they're required to as part of your training. And we want to make that as efficient and as effective as possible. And there are lots of different ways that you can go about doing that, but we're going to look at three different things that you can do to ensure that your program and your training is a success. So let's get into number one. And this reminds me of uh, The Office when, I don't know if you're familiar with The Office, uh, the, U the American Office version, when Michael and Jim are promoted to co-managers. And I think one of the cutouts is Jim and he says, what democracy doesn't have two presidents? What company doesn't have two CEOs? Right. And it's funny because it's absurd. No, there's one president. There's one CEO. You need someone in charge to make that final decision. So for cure number one, ditch the co-instructor format. Get rid of it. Have one lead instructor and have multiple instructor aides. Make it clear who is in charge of the training program. Make it clear who's running the show. What kitchen doesn't have three cooks? You know, there's a phrase, too many cooks in the kitchen. You don't want to have three people with unclear roles waiting for someone else to take charge or politely interacting in a way that wastes everyone else's time. It's not effective. Have one clear lead instructor. Now, that lead instructor can be the person that does all the instructing and the talking. You can have that one person be the facilitator for the event. So, okay, at this time we're doing this. As soon as the uh, an instructor wraps up, okay, thank you, John, for giving that presentation on uh, doing front glides. Sally, you're up next. You're going to be talking about back glides. If you could come to the front and give your discuss, you know, give your um, presentation. And then at two o'clock, we're going to get in the pool and we're going to practice this. You know, it can be the ringmaster, the person who's saying. It can be the the cruise conductor saying, okay. Here's what we're doing at this time. Here's who's doing this next. You know, have a clear um, guide. You know, this is what we're doing, and here's who's doing it, and here's how we're doing it. And then that's their only job. Or they can be the person that's running the trainings. But you need someone who is very clearly in charge of your training program and who has whose sole purpose is to keep things moving along. You know, you want to make sure that there's none of this 10 minutes sitting around waiting while people talk and chat, small talk, while the rest of your participants are just sitting around twiddling their thumbs doing nothing. It's not an effective use of their time or your time. Make sure that there is one clear instructor who's organizing the event and making sure everything is moving along. 
So you need to have a clear lead instructor. If you do have aids, that clear instructor should not be interrupting them or adding to their discussion and interrupting their presentation by useful information. Um, if there, that's something that you feel the need to do as a clear instructor, then you should pull that instructor to the side after the presentation, give them your feedback or what you want them to add, and allow that aid or instructor to give the information to the group on their own. So if you have, let's say Sally is doing a front glide presentation and she forgets to say one item about front glides, it's not appropriate for the lead instructor to jump in and be like, well, actually, you know, instead, the better option is to wait, let Sally finish her presentation, change, okay, make your announcement. All right, next, we're going to move on to this. Tell her, okay, next time, make sure that you hit this point, this point, and this point. And before lunch break, I want you to go in front of the group. You're going to talk about an additional item for this particular topic and make sure that you cover this in front of the group and say, you know what, I forgot to mention this earlier. Here's the information that you need to know. It's a better way of going about ensuring that the material is covered without undermining the authority or the instructor's ability. So if Sally is giving a teach and the lead instructor jumps in, Sally's going to go quiet because she's deferring to you, the, the primary lead instructor. And it's not, it, it undermines her authority and then they're going to ignore her and they're going to just talk, look at you. So even if there's something wrong, even if it's something critical, wait to the end and then talk to them about it. Uh, and remember, the lead instructor is responsible for being prompt and clear with what's next and kind of keeping the ball moving, keeping things going at all times, wanting to make sure that there is no unnecessary downtime, that if there is a lull in the process, if you're waiting for someone, to give everyone an activity or an item to work on while they wait, or to engage a conversation about something pertinent to what you're talking about. So cure number one, get rid of the co-instructors make their one clear lead instructor or facilitator and have that person either be the primary instructor or organizing and um, being the like uh, activity coordinator, making sure everything's going on at the same time. Okay, cure number two, utilize small groups whenever possible. At some point, working with a lot of people turns into just herding sheep or like herding cattle. It takes more effort just to get them in position than it does to actually disseminate the information. So give that information out to everyone. So a really good recommendation, and this is really the foundation for most swim lessons, is get small groups so you can work on highly specific things with those small groups. So we had, I think, 31 people in our training group with three co-instructors and two training instructors. So five people. And very often we were only in two groups. That doesn't make sense. We should have had five groups with six people each or six groups with five people each. That way we would have had a much more effective use of our time. We could have spent less time waiting for other people to take like opportunities to do things. And we would have had a more intimate small group where we could promote conversation. We could have... Um, very like intimate interaction with each other so we would get to know each other and then be able to interact comfortably avoiding that initial 
stranger kind of like uncertainty and politeness. You know, you could use these small groups to get more stuff done. And then you could utilize a post-activity debriefing in a large group where the small groups came back to the large group and said, here's what we worked on. Here are some interesting things we talked about that are important or interesting for the whole group. And then have a discussion based on that. And that would be a more effective use of our time than doing two groups of 15 where 90% of the time that you were in those groups, you were doing nothing. Okay, so utilize small groups whenever possible. Split up into small groups. Give your managers, give your instructors, give your aides the opportunity to run those small groups and give them clear instructions on what, accomp what objectives they need to meet and what they should be talking about in what fashion. Uh, and it'll give an opportunity for those managers and for those instructors, those aides, to get a lot more experience actually interacting as part of a facilitator or instructor so then at some point they could step into the role of the lead instructor for the whole event. So look at small groups, uh, some tips on small groups. Randomize your groups, so switch them up uh, regularly. So if you have a two-day training session and you have 30 people and you have five groups of six, um, you can have, uh, you can switch around who's in each group. Uh, so don't always have group number one be the same five or six people. Have it change who's in group number one. Um, and you can do that in the morning, in the afternoon. You know, you can have switch that around however you want. But if you randomize it and switch people around, it gets people exposed to more people. And so they can form more connections. Uh, and I would suggest that you avoid using silly names for your groups. It seems like a fun, innocuous thing. Like it's not really that big of a deal. Um, but I found myself focusing on trying to remember what the name of my group was and then forgetting what group I was in or where I was supposed to go because I was so concentrating on, I got to figure out what a alpaca is. What, did they say alpaca or porcupine? Which group am I in? Like, instead, just use one, two, three. You're number one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. You know, assign people groups by numbers because it's really easy, it's simple, and you don't have to worry about the silliness of different colors or names or animals. It distracts from what the objective is. Create small groups. You can still have fun. You can still be engaging. You can still be silly. You can still have do your icebreakers and other activities. But we're not there to be cutesy with our groups. We're there to get things done efficiently and quickly and effectively, you know, because these are important things we want and we're paying them to be there in most cases. So we want to make sure that we're using our time effectively and coming up with silly names for different groups is not as effective unless, unless you're going to be in that group the whole time and you're going to use that name as a mascot or a type like, um, like a, you're an alligator and the alligators are like, this group is like, we're prideful because we're the alligators and then we're going to be in the alligators the whole weekend. You know, then that makes sense. But if it's just a one-off item, if we're going to do a small icebreaker group, we don't need to invent three different animals to separate people out into three groups. We can just say one, two, three, and it's much more effective. Another tip is rotate the aids and instructors for each group and topic so the participants aren't always with the same instructor so they can get different exposure to different styles and different people on your staff. Uh, so if you have group one always with instructor Sally, then they're going to get very comfortable, and which is good, but you also want them to have exposure with instructor Timmy and instructor Johnny and instructor Joey. Now you want to be able to 
have your participants interact with different managers or instructors that are on your staff. So they can be able to connect with anyone um, that they're involved with as part of their work. So rotate your instructors if your groups are staying the same. Uh, small groups are generally more effective at discussion, uh, so they get things moving quicker. Uh, they speed up the process of activities. So if you have, if you're doing rotational activities, like for example, if your instructors or if your participants have to do something in a group setting, they have to teach the group something. Uh, then in a smaller group, they're going to be able to organize that group quicker. And they're going to be able to get through their information a little bit faster than as if they had a larger group. And then the people that are in that group will have more percentage of time interacting. So if you have five people in a group, 20% of that time is that one person's um, interaction. They're actively engaged versus 10 people in a group. One person will probably only have 10% of the time to interact or speak or, or take action. So it makes more effective use of the time that you give to that uh, group to do their activity. And then use, so after your small group, after you break up into small groups, come back together in a large group and debrief on what you just did. So have a discussion about the activity or the um, thing that you did in your small groups. So if all the small groups have the same activity, you can come back together and say, well, you know, what did you guys like about the group that you were in? You know, did anyone have anything interesting to share with the whole group that they think might be useful? And then you can have a discussion with the whole group on what the different groups did well or what they didn't like or, you know, they can share that useful information. So it's a filter uh, and it's a good way to promote discussion. So utilize your small groups whenever possible. And the final cure for terrible training sessions and uh, this is really geared towards preparation, is if you want to avoid having a terrible time-wasting training session, don't plan in advance, okay? So the cure for a terrible training session is have a specific agenda before you start teaching. Know what you want to do in what order and when and how before you even walk into the classroom. It's really that simple. Be prepared before you show up. My suggestion and what works for me is I like to have an agenda. I like to know at this time we're doing this, I'm going to allocate 30 minutes to this activity, 30 minutes to this activity, 30 minutes to this one, and I'm going to write down specifically when and where we're going to do each activity and at what time. That way, I can print off that agenda, I can give it to my participants, and they can see, oh, at this time we're doing this, then we're going to do that, then we're going to do this. And we know with clear expectations what's happening and how long each activity is going to be, and we can see, all right, here's what our goal is. And that holds me as the facilitator or the instructor accountable for what we're going to do in our, in our training program. We're going to do this, we're going to do that, and we're going to do that and we're going to be finished. And if we get done early, fantastic, we'll let you go early. Maybe it goes long because we had a particularly difficult or significant discussion, but at least we have this guidepost for what the expected amount of time is. And when we start hitting up against that edge, we can look at the clock and say, okay, we can discuss with our group, we're going to go a little bit longer on this and cut this a little bit shorter and make sure that the, the group understands that and that we're clear with our expectations. As opposed to 
not having anything planned out, showing up and umming and eyeing and not knowing what's going on and wasting 15 minutes every half hour because they don't know what's going on. You know, that's a terrible way to run a training program. And then when you leave, the person next to you turns to you and says, well, that was a huge waste of time. That could have been finished in two hours instead of the 16 hours that it just was. You'd never want that to be uh, uttered at one of your training programs where you just wasted someone's two days. So if you have a specific agenda before you begin teaching, you can solve that problem. So you'll avoid forcing people to sit and wait for you to figure out who is going to decide what to do next or where or when. Have that planned out in advance. You can even assign, all right, we're going to have 20 people in this training group. I'm going to assign these three people to three groups, and I'm going to assign an activity for each of them to do. And maybe the group will rotate every 15 minutes to a different instructor. So that's a 45-minute um Time slot will allow five minutes to rotate each time, so that's an hour worth of time where we'll have small groups with three instructors teaching three different things, and each group will rotate instructors so that they'll get an opportunity to work with three different people on three different topics over the course of an hour. You just write that down. Write that down. It'll be very simple. It's very clear. Instructor A, B, and C, they all know what they're doing and when and they know they're going to do it three times. Participants will know, oh, I'm going to work on front glides, I'm going to work on back glides, then I'm going to work on going underwater. And it's a very clear transition on here's a task, here's the objective, once it's complete, we'll move on. If we get done early, we'll have time for conversation, and at this time we're going to switch. Now, and then it's the instructor's responsibility and yours to follow up with them and make sure that they're filling the time appropriately. So knowing what you are teaching how much time you'll spend teaching it, and what you are going to do next, and write that down in as much detail as possible. Finally, write it out, distribute it to all your participants, and at this time we're going to do this, at that time we're going to do that, and be as clear and specific as you can, and pad things with a little bit extra time. So if you know you're doing three groups and you want 15 minutes in each group, maybe make it 20 minutes, so that's an hour, and we'll make a five-minute transition. So I'll allocate for the full amount of time, introduction, explanation of what's going to happen, separation into groups, transition time between groups, say 15 minutes, so a total of a one hour and 15 minutes for that activity. Pad it a little bit. And then it allows you time to casually go through things. Um, and then your participants will appreciate an early or efficient use of their time. And then you can move on and you can maybe get out of your training early. I want to know what you think. Have you had a terrible experience in a training session? Have you completely ruined a training session as a result of not pre preparing or not really knowing what you were doing? I know I have. I've certainly learned in this and I've not always been a perfect instructor or trainer. Uh, but the important thing I think is that you look back on what you did and make an attempt to refine or change your um, your experience. Um, and part of that is if you want to give out a post-event survey, you can say, what did you like, what did you not like, and to take that with a grain of salt. So I want to know, have you destroyed a training session and had it be a disaster? Or have you had really effective training sessions, and do you have a process that works really well for you and your staff? That's something that I would really be interested in. You can connect with me on Twitter, Facebook, or on email. Twitter, at Swimming Ideas, on Facebook if you just type in Swimming Ideas. 
And you can email me, jeff at swimmingideas.com. And I want to thank you for taking the time to learning on how to cure some terrible training sessions. And I know that you're probably extremely busy. uh, So uh, get out there, prepare for your training session, and I'm sure it's going to be a fantastic success. I also want to take this opportunity to tell you about um, the Swim Instructor training workbook that you can find on Amazon. Uh, currently in the process of updating section two, which is specific to language and how to teach. And I apologize for most of you that if you haven't gotten it yet for the summer session, um, it's just a daunting amount of work to go through. Uh, also, level four swim skill sheets, uh, so lesson plans, will be updated shortly. You'll be seeing that within the week. And the uh, swim lesson starter kit will include the level four sheets and this complete lesson program will also have the uh, PDFs and um, in the illustrator files. So if you can get those on our website, swimminglessonsideas.com. And once again, thank you very much for listening to this podcast. And tomorrow we can teach better lessons together. Take care. Mm-hmm.